Hey everyone, this is Mike Flanagan, and on this episode of the Inside Bowling Show, we are happy to welcome three-time PBA champion and entrepreneur Josh Blanchard. Also on the program, Josh invited out-of-range podcast host and his best man at his wedding, Derek Hartnell, to join us. We had a great time talking bowling with these two passionate guys that share a common bond, which is bowling. This show, if you found it by now, is broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube, and you should head over to those accounts by searching Inside Bowling to watch the program and check our schedule for future episodes. Also, if you're enjoying the show, do us a favor and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. It would mean a great deal if you did. And if you really like what we're doing here, you can head over to InsideBowling.com and support the show by checking out our merch. You can save 15% on InsideBowling.com with coupon code IBSHOW. Elements from today's show were intended for both video and audio. We apologize if at some point in the show you can't follow along, but this is a great reminder that all of our shows are archived on our YouTube channel. Today, this is our 17th episode. So with no further ado, here's our interview with Josh Blanchard and Derek Hartnell. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Inside Bowling Show. I'm Mike. Matt's with me as well here today. And uh, we got a little backwards uh, system here. Looks like Matt has taken over the show today. And the reason why I say that is because he spent more time prepping with our guest today than I did. Oh, look at you. Just switched around there. Look at you. Beautiful thing over there. Look at you. Uh, welcome in, everybody. Uh, we had a great show yesterday with Marshall Holman. Today, we're going to talk things over with somebody I've got a really good relationship with and have known for quite a while, Josh Blanchard. And we're probably going to get into some entrepreneurial things today. As he's done a little bit of everything, not only has he been a professional bowler, but he's also had a lot of success off the lanes with writing a book. He's also had success with uh, owning some pro shops. And he's always somebody that's kind of in my ear wanting to talk about social media and things like that. So hopefully we'll, we'll get to some of that. And we also have another special surprise for everybody today. Not this is the first, this is the first special surprise really in, uh, in Inside Bowling Show history. It is. And uh, we told Josh a couple weeks ago, hey, when, when we booked him for the show, if you want to have somebody on with you, you could bring on a guest. And I suggested like Jacob Butra for something like that. But he took us in a direction that I'm glad that he did. He's actually going to have one of his good friends on. He's from the Out of Range podcast. Derek Hartnell will be joining us today with Josh. And tell everybody just a little teaser of, of what might be to come here today, Matt, with these guys. Um, you know, I think maybe a little tease here is, is that uh, I always view Josh as the rule follower. I always viewed him as very being very straight and narrow. And, great uh, our, great yeah. dad as well. Yep. 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 And um, and what I came to learn yesterday during our show prep was that uh, back back in his college days, this was not the case. So I'm looking forward to hear some uh, fun stories about 
their college days together. They both spent uh, some time in Kansas uh, during during their uh, years in college. So I'm looking forward to learn some more about the two of them and their friendship and uh, what what went on back in the day. Yeah, he wrote this book here, Energy in Motion, and maybe we need to see if he'll write a sequel like Parties in Motion or what is the party <laughs> in college bowling. We'll have to ask him about that. Hey, that's a great reminder. This book, amongst many other things, are available over on InsideBowling.com. You can use the coupon code IB show to save 15%, pick up Josh's book or any other things that you see. We've had a lot of orders come in since uh, since about last week. Uh, people have really been picking up the merch. We've got the Tang Bowl DMC stuff that we just launched. They're promoting the website, and this, and, and this show has been helping out a lot as well. So really want to thank everybody who's taking advantage of, of the deal that we've had. We introduced a BowlerX.com poll question yesterday. And Matt, if we could bring up the results of yesterday's poll question and take us through the question here. So the question is, uh, and I, I just didn't update it, so which is why it says six minutes left here. But yesterday's poll question was, when do you think you will bowl your next game on the lanes? May, June, July, or August, or later? And uh, it seems like the winner today, uh, or the winner for yesterday's poll question, uh, was August or later. Mike, what do you think about these results that we got? Yeah, I find it interesting. People are either like, we're going to bowl in June, or we're going to bowl in August or later. But July coming in with the least amount of votes, and May coming in, May coming in at 14.6%, June at 33.8%, July at 126 and August or later at 391 So pretty neck and neck here. A lot of people, I think, are, are front-focused, and they're thinking, we're going to get back on the lanes in a month or so. And then other people are saying, man, it's going to be a while. So interesting to, to see the splits there. Yeah, it's really interesting to see. And I think you summed it up perfectly. I think people are saying, all right, we're reopening. A lot of states are starting to reopen some stuff. So maybe, you know, we're ready in May here. But so maybe next month in June, bowling alleys will be ready back to go, uh, ready back to open up. And you see, uh, we're seeing a lot of posts of bowling alleys, you know, setting up dividers between lanes and taking yeah, precautions. So, uh, so and or some people are like, hey, man, we're going to be in this for a little bit. So it's not going to it's not going to happen anytime soon. So it is definitely interesting to see, like you said. All right. So today's poll question brought to you by BowlerX.com. What are my options for today, Matt? Um, I think we're going to go with these two questions. All right, Mike. So so for everybody that's listening that didn't get to see yesterday, how this is going to go is every day I'm going to come up with two different poll questions. And Mike is going to uh, be the deciding uh, deciding person, I guess, on the show to, to see which poll question we're going to ask you guys over on our Twitter. You guys can go find us on Twitter at Inside Bowling um, and partake in our poll. So, Mike, here are your two questions for today, okay? Here are your two options. The first poll option is when the PBA Tour returns, will the winner of the first event be one-handed or two-handed? Okay? okay. So the two options of the poll would be one-hander, two-hander. The second question is more relevant to something that's going to be happening sooner, which is who is going to be the number one overall pick in this year's PBA league draft? Okay, I like this. What are my options? Your options are Francois Lavoie, Ryan Simonelli, Sean Rash, or other. All right, let's let's go let's go with that one. I like that one. It's very relevant. I like the other one too, but let's let's go ahead and get that one posted up on our Twitter. You can go out and you can vote now, and uh, we'll update the results of the poll tomorrow. Thanks to BowlerX.com for sponsoring our poll of the day. Matt's posting that right now. And uh, I think uh, I really don't have a whole lot of other stuff. Yesterday we rambled on for about 10 minutes. I think today we're ready to just get to the stories and that, and uh, we'll bring in our guests. So uh, our guest that we advertised was Josh Blanchard, and he has three professional bowling titles. He's made uh, over $300,000 in his career earnings on the tour. Like I said, he's also owned pro shops. He doesn't anymore, but uh, 
he certainly knows how to to drill some bowling equipment and how to run a business. He's also uh, authored a book, but he's probably m- more famous in his area for uh, mentoring Jacob Buttruff and also being a great dad. So let's bring in our guest, Josh Blanchard, to start here. Josh, welcome to the program today. Hello, guys. It's from sunny Arizona, it looks like. 102 degrees today, so got to get your sunscreen. Is it really 102? Yeah, huh? 107. So today we're having a little cold spell today. <laughs> nice, uh, nice book placement there, pal. That's great. I got mine. Mine's just a little bigger, but that's all right. What's the What's the best page in the book? If somebody just had to read one page, what page would that be? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, I would probably go with uh, the cover. It's <laughs> a good place to start. I heard. Oh, that's funny. Josh, thanks for coming on the program. Uh, What have you been up to uh, during uh, the quarantine? What have you been doing? Trying not to kill my kids, uh, first of all, but uh, just working around the house, uh, building a patio um, in front of my house uh, so we can sit and watch the kids play in the yard. And uh, other than that, man, just trying to uh, stay in shape and uh, stay healthy. Yeah, so we got some uh, we got some pictures here of some of some yard work that you've been doing um, in, at the house. Got a little slideshow going here, gonna just show the people your work. Is this a is this common Josh Blanchard work here to be Mister Handyman, uh, Mister Bob the Builder? Yeah, this is common for me. I've done about everything in my house. I've four concrete slabs, build walls. I've done a little bit of everything. I learned from my dad as a kid. Um, there, that stucco stucco is difficult to do. If anybody's ever done stuccos, we had nothing but rocks here in this picture, and we uh, poured a foundation. Me and my wife and uh, built the wall, and now I'm stuccoing and painting it uh, this week. I work after four o'clock um, uh, because it's a little shaded and uh, only about a hundred degrees, not a hundred and five. So that's when my workday starts at four o'clock. Yeah, that's that's cool <laughs> to see that you have. Uh some other hobbies and that you were able to, you know, take away something, learn this, um, throughout your life. I mean, I do, have you built, what's the coolest thing that you've ever built? Uh, I built some pretty cool, uh, uh, bowling racks, but the probably the coolest was in metal shop in high school. I built a, a car rotisserie. Uh, it was a, you actually put just the, I went to the frame of the car and you bolted the both sides and it had cranes and you could turn it and work on the entire frame of the car. Uh, built a metal shop. It was my senior project in high school. Uh, that was probably the coolest thing I ever built. Some guy wanted it to work on car- old cars, and uh, so I built it for him. Mark, I wonder about something here. You know, you, you've you, you've owned pro shops in the past, uh, yeah. and you're good at making things. And and this rotisserie for a car is quite interesting. I, I, have you ever considered trying to make the first automatic drill press? <laughs> uh, no, but I've worked on. I'm still working. I know patent pinning, whatever you want to call it, but uh, an app where you just take a picture of your hand, it's going to give you your exact specs. You're working on that. Yeah, we're working on currently working on it. Yep. You put it, take a picture on your phone of your hand, it'll tell you what your span's going to be. Not your pitches. Pitches you'll have to kind of guesstimate based on flexibility. But yeah, you take a picture of your hand, it's going to tell you your span. So, bowlerx.com, I guess that's your, that's your sponsor there. Somebody can buy a ball online and then just take a picture of their hand, and you'll have their span. Yeah, man, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, breaking news on the Inside Bowling <laughs> Show. Josh, Josh Blanchard is, is breaking boundaries and probably fixing the number one pro shop problem. 
I wouldn't say fixing it. The problem is, is like there's people with arthritis. I mean, I worked on Pro Shop a long time. And while there is a perfect numerical span, it changes based on what people's likes are. But for the average person that wants a ball drilled, and you know what's even funnier is now that we really can't share bowling balls, everyone's going to have to have their own ball here pretty soon. That uh, It's going to be pretty easy to uh, just measure a hand and somebody will drill it online and ship it to you. That is going to be very interesting re- regarding whether or not how bowling centers are going to reopen. And like you just said, you know, not being able to share bowling balls potentially with, with, with germs and that, have you thought about what, what the world is going to look like moving forward, even inside of bowling or outside of bowling? Oh man, I try not to because I, uh, I'm not one to, I, I, I really think it's overplayed, but uh, I think it's going to be quite interesting. I'm wondering more about concerts and, and venues like that. Like, you build an arena that costs billions of dollars and you have a hundred thousand seats. And now let's say that, Hey, you can only have 50,000. You only have 40,000. It's a lot of lost revenue. Are the, are the ticket prices going to increase? Are, uh, are people going to, they're going to start paying more to watch them online. People aren't going to go to concerts and sporting events. That's kind of where I'm at. But uh, bowling is, it can take advantage of the situation because we don't pack 40,000 people into a bowling alley to watch a TV show. We usually have, a couple hundred. So I really think we can take advantage of the situation from a sporting side. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I did something last night that I heard about and I watched it and I had to turn it off after about five minutes, but the voice uh, was on last night and it was done via zoom uh, and remote Uh, remote. All the performances were recorded earlier in the day in the people's homes and then just played. And then you got to see the judges reactions and Sometimes our audio here is 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 mediocre at best, but on the voice last night for a show that the audio is so important, I was really underwhelmed. And I've also been watching a little bit of Jimmy Fallon doing it from his home, and it's just not the same. It's it's amazing how much a crowd comes into play in anything that you do, including like you said, concerts or professional sports. It, it's uh it's it's a crazy time right now. Yeah, I found it interesting when they said that back back before this thing started that they were going to play games or sporting events without fans. And I was always I was, I said that last year I think it was at Bowl Expo uh, when I did a presentation. It was bowlers don't get enough they don't get excited on the lanes. I'm like, how can you get excited when there's really nobody watching? What does <laughs> what does a touchdown celebration look like in the NFL with no fans? Yeah, boring. Exactly. Like, what are, what are guys going to do? Are they going to look like buffoons and do their stupid little stuff? I guarantee they won't be doing hardly anything. So when they talk about bowlers, it's like guys do random kind of weird stuff at Bayside because there's a huge crowd and the crowd's into it. But at an, at a other venues, whether people are really not into it, it's hard to get excited as a bowler and really get excited and do some extracurricular um, antics. So I think it'd be weird to watch an NFL game and see what they do when they score with no one in this in the stadium i think it would be quite comical yeah i want to see the lambo leap into <laughs> nothing <laughs> into a chair i wonder i wonder if like there's going to be sponsorship opportunities so like if you had like a bunch of cheese curds like in the front row uh, yeah. like the first four or five rows and like the you know the guy would jump into the i don't know i guess Devonte adams would jump into the cheese curds in the first couple of rows. I think there's going to be some opportunity there. We have a seat and we have an advertisement. Then we have a seat and we have an advertisement. Now yeah, fat head things, they can make yeah. a killing. They can just fill the first couple of rows with those fat heads. like Josh Blanchard, fat head, boom, just right there. Somebody, Somebody did that. I watched the news. Somebody had a wedding 
a couple weeks ago, and they took a picture from all of their 92 guests and made fat heads of their 92 guests and put them in the rows in the church, and they got married. Just them two, but with all the like uh, a cardboard cutouts, all their people. That's pretty cool. You know, I was thinking maybe at uh, in Arizona Cardinal Stadium, they're going to be a little better this year with DeAndre Hopkins and and the way they drafted and Kyler Murray coming into his second year. What about an energy in motion uh, just to cover on every single seat in the stadium? You know, yeah. you got connections, Mike? You make that happen? Yeah, yeah, I think so. All um, right. We, we already uh, earlier in the, sh- in the show, we uh, connected Stu Williams with uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We we uh, we connected. Uh, we had you know Tommy Jones and DJ Archer with their connection to uh, Mookie Betts. And, yeah. Uh, so why stop there? We're going to keep going here. We're going to connect Josh. Uh, with the uh, Arizona Cardinals somehow, some way, and uh, and yeah, maybe 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 we'll we'll get something in play for you. Yeah, we'll have an energy and motion replay every time DeAndre Hopkins makes some crazy catch. All of a sudden, ad ad pops up. Yeah. Are you a Cardinals fan, John? I'm not. This is my <sighs> Broncos. So when the Broncos come to town, you go watch those games for sure. I do. We we try to fly once a year to go to a a game uh in denver we haven't in a year but uh we try um i'm not paying homage to anybody too uh just sunny my i got my window right here um no but i will i will <laughs> yeah everybody knows mike and pdw they all know how mike feels about pete so i'm you sure he's getting the crack out of this one i'm sure i'm glad let's do that he misses you here in arizona Josh, we uh we gave you an option, and uh, we talked about it on the opening of the show uh, that you could bring somebody on with you. And uh, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about the person that we're about to bring up here. Uh, who did you pick, and uh, and why was this person selected? So I picked uh, one of my best friends, uh, Derek Hartnell. Uh, he's actually the best man in my wedding. Uh, my best friend. Uh, we I'd say went to college together, but we didn't. We both lived in Wichita. He went to Newman University for Billy Murphy, and I went to. Uh, Wichita State, but we traveled together. The schools always shared buses. Twelve, ten-hour trips sucked, but uh, it was somebody I always got. I got really close to. Um, he's really good uh, family friends with me and Amy and my kids, um, and he's kind of taking my kids under his wing and uh, just somebody special. And he has his own podcast, um, an Out of Range. Uh, he does that with Tony Franklin and Matt McFadden, and so uh, it's always comedy when me and him are together. So I figured we'd bring comedy on the show and somebody that. I didn't think you'd ever have on the show, so I want to make sure he actually got a chance to be on here. Well, that's why we love you, buddy. You always find these great guests. And I was even telling Matt yesterday, I said, hey, Blanchard's bringing Hartnell on. And I'm like, which is awesome, because we probably wouldn't have thought to bring Derek on right away. So um, no offense to Derek whatsoever, but let's bring him in now. Let's introduce uh, the Out of Range podcast superstar, Derek Hartnell. Hello, Derek. How's it going, man? What's up, guys? How are you? Doing well, doing well. So tell us, uh, we'll get out of the gate swinging here. Tell us one thing about Josh Blanchard most people uh, wouldn't know. Uh, let's see. Where to, where to start? I, I'm going to go with uh, everybody kind of thinks that he's on the uh, straight and narrow as far as, far as following rules go. Um, and I would say that in college, Josh was probably the, uh, the rule defier. He didn't, he didn't like to follow rules or he liked to challenge them, whether or not he agreed with them. You agree with that, Josh? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I always push the buttons as far as I could push them. And sometimes they got me in trouble. 
but I always pushed the buttons as far as I could. And I think the coaches, they respected me for that, but I also got in a ton of trouble for that. Was there one time in particular where you were just like, you know, you went to push a button, just push things too far, and then you did it, and then you're like, oh, boy, shouldn't have done that. Yeah, so I'll never forget this. We used to stop at McDonald's, uh, Coach Lewis. I love McDonald's, so we always stop. And I just done an article for uh, Bowling This Month, I think, or one of the bowling magazines. And the question they asked me, one of them, was um, – what's your five favorite bowling balls? So I listened to my five favorite bowling balls of all time, just like I thought it would be fine. And uh, all of a sudden I got out at uh, McDonald's and I started doing reps. Uh, they call them reps, uh, running around the bus and doing jumping jacks and all kinds of crazy things because I didn't list five Brunswick bowling balls because our school was sponsored by Brunswick. I listed some of my five favorite bowling balls of all kinds of brands and I got in so much trouble I was doing reps the entire time we stopped at McDonald's. I'll never forget that. Uh, Derek, were you there to witness that, him, him doing all that? No, I don't think I was there for that. The uh, the one that I specifically do remember, and this doesn't have to do with him doing more reps, but this was kind of the the uh, portrayal of Josh and his teammates and kind of the, uh, the rule defiance. So we're bowling a college tournament in Moline, Illinois, at the Leatherneck. It's right around Christmas time. Uh, Sean Walkner, the coach of Whitewater, actually hosted it on behalf of Western Illinois. And we're bowling in the final match. It's my team against Josh's team. Josh's team is stacked. It's Zerbinski, Jake Peters, Ronnie Sparks. And they make this dramatic move to move to the right gutter with plastic. So they sanded plastic balls, visibles at this time. And Josh went up to the coach at the time, who Coach V was just kind of hanging in the back. And he goes, I'm not throwing plastic. You're not, I'm not going to throw plastic. So my team was throwing reactive. We were kind of just pitching it at the gutter and watching it peel back. And those guys struck. And I think there was a game where Josh went ring 10, pocket 7, 10, and everybody else struck and just proved Josh wrong. So, uh, yeah, Josh is just kind of the rule to fire, but he's very opinionated, which I think you can appreciate um, because you know you're always going to get the honest truth out of him. Yeah, and and I don't want to, I don't want you guys to think that this is just really about Josh. Um, I want to pull something up real quick here, <laughs> Derek. We're gonna get into some bowling because oh, Derek, uh, that a lot of people don't know. Derek, you you beat Chris Barnes in an action match head up uh, heads up, which was a really really cool experience for you, I'm sure. But before we do that, I wanna I wanna bring these these couple of pictures up here. Uh, <laughs> And I, I want to see what what's what's the story behind these two pictures. Were you a big athlete growing up? Yeah, uh, athlete, and couldn't see very well from that first picture in the baseball picture. So, little backstory: uh, my senior year, Josh's senior year, uh, we had three or four of us came to uh, my hometown, Kenosha, Wisconsin, and my mom was like, "Yeah, just bring a bunch of friends. We'll hang out. I'll cook for them. We'll have a good time." So my mom takes advantage of that to show all my friends my terrible pictures as a kid, <laughs> as you can see. And I'm sure these aren't the only two that he shared with you because there's one in particular that is super. I'm not pulling that one out, pulling that one out man. I, I haven't pulled that one out. I've actually uh, made it so uh, – he's made it so aware to the public of that picture. That's, that's my Venmo handle now. <laughs> if you go to my Venmo, it's just a picture of me in these nerdy glasses. And I had to actually – tilt one way because the stem on the other side was broken during that picture. <laughs> so you can, you can imagine like this, these are just two stories, but Josh and I, we, 
kind of share that bond and kind of hit it off. And there's probably not one sentence that we talk to each other back and forth with that doesn't have sarcasm. Uh, absolutely. If no one knows, Derek was a phenomenal college bowler. Uh, our senior year of 2010, he beat uh, me out. So they, they gave out like a, a coach's bowler of the year and like a bowler's writer coaches of a bowler of the year. Derek won uh, bowler of the year for our, the one of the coaches and I won the writer's bowler of the year um, in college bowling. So Derek was a standout at Newman University. And I really think that he put Newman on the map. And nobody even knew who Newman was or where it was before Derek really came along and uh, put that program on the map. And I have no idea why Derek chose to go to Newman, um, probably because no one else liked him. But um, at least he put Newman on the map. And now they're getting now they're getting some standout talent to go there. So I think Billy Murphy owes, owes Derek a lot of credit. Hey, Matt, I think I sent you a picture of that uh, of that specific night where we shared those awards. Maybe you could flip that up. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, thought I, I thought I pulled that up, actually. Let me uh, – Do you yeah. notice that our faces are a lot skinnier? Yeah. Yeah, I want to ask the elephant in the room question here. Why did you go to Newman University over a, a school like Wichita? Yeah, he wasn't good. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't good enough, uh, at least in my opinion. Uh, let me throw out some names for you: Jesse Buss, Chris Drews, George Lambert, John Zerbinski, Jeffrey Young, Ronnie Sparks. Those are all guys that would have been my incoming class, and then that doesn't even include any transfers. So at the time, I really hadn't established myself as a, a good bowler with that kind of credentials. And Wichita State at the time didn't really give uh, exemptions or anything like that based on your credentials. So I would have had to have, uh, beat those guys out. And my game, in my opinion, was not up to that par. And so I met with Billy at Newman, and it was much more my style. And I definitely wanted to bowl in college. I didn't want to kind of have to sit on the bench and whatnot. So there you go. There's a good picture. Good one. And what are those awards you guys are holding in this picture? Bowler of the year. And uh, first first team All-American are the two smaller black. Yeah. Yeah, where was that? 2010 was in uh, El Paso? El Paso, yeah. El Paso. Good old El Paso. Who won the national championship that year? <clears throat> yeah. Their team, was, their team was ridiculous. I mean, border, borderline, like, mock draft team. That's how good 2010, not 13, 2010. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that team, I, I, we always arguments. Matt Gasson will always argue and whatever, but I still think that was the greatest college team of all time. He'll argue that yeah, Robert Morris had the greatest team, but um, that was a pretty good team. We lost only one game that entire Nationals. So you're supposed to win 4-0. We went 4-1, 4-0, 4-0, 4-0, and then TV show 2-0. So that was what was the lineup on that team? Do you remember? Uh, Josh McBride, Jeffrey Young, Ronnie Sparks, myself, and John Zerbinski. Uh, you're wrong. Who Even I know that it was Peters, McBride, Sparks, uh, you, oh, and then Peters. Peter. I forgot about Peter. I thought Jeffrey. Oh, yeah, Jake Peters was the leadoff. What's crazy is they had three probably, and at any other school, probably three All Americans on the bench at any given time. That's how deep that team was. Yeah, I don't That's know if I would like that or not. I don't know if I'd like – I don't know if I'm a team guy enough to sit on the bench and be one of the best players in college bowling. I don't know. I might be with Derek on this one. Yeah. I will tell you, I was thinking about guests for next week, and this is talking out loud, but 
I really want to have uh, Gordon Vatican and Bill Straub on at the same time. Um, and I, I think we're going to do that at some point here. I, I think that would be really good. Really? Do they both know how to work the computer to actually that, do that? That was my next concern was uh, testing with Marshall Holman took quite a few hours to get down. And, that was just one guest. and a guy that does media uh, on the tour. So he thought maybe he'd have a, uh, yeah. So that, that's my next concern. That'd be a tough uh, one. We, we would have to skip. The thing no one knows about Gordon is Gordon is a big jokester. I mean, the guy, everybody thinks he's so serious. He played more practical jokes and did more things than any of the players I know. Aaron Smith, Ronnie Sparks in the second spot. Team was stacked. You're right, Aaron. You're right. I, I think he was third on the show. Was he third? I think so. Maybe it was a, a, you guys flip-flopped in games, but either uh, way, it was a sick I team. Remember, yeah, I remember Chris Barnes uh, was commentating to the play-by-play for that show. Him and Dave Lamont. So, yeah. So what was what was the team, just to give everybody that's listening over a fresher, what's the team that Matt Gasson debates with you about? That was with his time in Robert Morris, and it was him, and I know Marshall Kent was also on the team. Uh, Jacob Kent was on the team as well, right? Derek might know the answer. I don't know all five players. Uh, it was Cameron Weir. Cameron. Matt Gasson, uh, Marshall Kent. And then uh, they had – uh, some other players that probably made more of their names famous later on in their career, but like Tyler Green, I think bold for them. Jacob Kent, yeah, Jacob Kent, Mason Petron, I think was on team. He's yeah, Ryan, Ryan Zagar, Zagar. Yeah, they had a they had a pretty strong team. That would be an interesting matchup. I've always thought it would be an interesting tournament to to hold, but to be like um, an all time college an all time college team event where you have you know like any team that's won a national championship. Um, you you bring your team back and they all compete against one another. Josh, you should put something like that on, man. Yeah, yeah. Let me just let me add that right up. I'm sure everyone still competes at a great level 15 years or 20 years later. That would be hilarious. I think that it would be crazy <laughs> like this guy coming in. He won the national championship in like 1998 and he hasn't bowled in like 20 years. Um, I think it would be I think it would be great to to see an event like that. I think it'd be fun. And then we could get Mike come out. Mike would put it on inside bowling. He would stream it. Um, no, I would bowl. What national championship team were you on, Mike? He, he bowled for DeVry. Yeah. Oh, the- <laughs> for DeVry. ITT Tech. Exactly. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, was, was the captain. My one claim to fame in college bowling is I did shoot 300. Uh, the very first 300 in Lindenwood University history. So I'm going to just take that one to the bank. Hey, Mike, Mike, here's a question for you. Do you remember the first time that you came and introduced yourself to me? I had no idea who you were. No, no idea. I was with Derek. I was with Derek. We were bowling Ozarks in Springfield, Missouri. Oh, and you came up to me. It was like 2009 or 2010. And you were like, hey, I'm Mike Flanagan. And I, Derek, I go, who is this guy? You came up just straight, like walked straight toward me, and we're just just talking nonsense like you normally do. But you're like, I'm not competing with the PBA, but I, I have my own. I have my own brand. It's inside bowling, inside bowling. A decade later, look where you're at. Yeah, yeah, yep. I'll yeah, that. not afraid to talk to anybody. No, I, that that's true. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't remember that at all. 
You got an interesting comment coming up. Jonathan Thompson, just like being six man in the NBA, he can still shine on the bench as well. But not if you're Mike Flanagan. If you're Mike Flanagan, you need to be in the anchor spot and you need to you need to be shining at all <laughs> moments of time here. Matt, if you did your research, you would know I was a leadoff bowler. <laughs> I always got the read on the lanes and then made sure everybody was ready to go. And then I made sure that I didn't bowl before my anchor bowler completed the frame so I wouldn't lose any of the damn momentum. Because the worst thing you can do is 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 bowl before your anchor bowler, and then uh, if the anchor bowler opens or something, and you already struck, you just lost all the momentum for the frame. So, and that's 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 my rule. So I always bowl lead off because I wouldn't screw that up. So you were so you were a shot maker, Mike? No, I wasn't. I was uh, I was a sprinkler. <laughs> How are you getting good reads for your team if you're pulling lead off and you're now? This is exactly where you should not throw it, guys. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was. Exactly hey guys, I found out if you miss left, it's not good. So just <laughs> miss it to the right if you're going to miss it all, right? You have a little miss to the right or a little miss to the left. I would always figure out which one not to do, and then the other four guys would just, you know, light them up for the rest of the game. But I, I did shoot 300 as a leadoff bowler one time. Uh, did you hear that about five minutes ago? I did. What? What? I wanted to ask you, what event did you bowl 300 at? So it was at, uh, I believe it was the Buckeye Classic in Dayton, Ohio, at uh, Palace Lanes, where they had the uh, the police beacons above every single pair of lanes for the if you needed a drink, you could click the button and then the beacon would go off. Did they but, turn them all on after 11 strikes for you? No, no. Um, but I turned mine on after I got the 12. Did you really? Just to let everybody know, yeah. <laughs> Were all three appeared in the 10th? Oh God, I'm glad you asked this question. Um, so actually, what 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 actually happened here, and this is this is like one of the greatest stories of all time in Mike Flanagan bowling history, is I went to Lindenwood University, and there was this guy by the name of Mike Hallway was the coach. He's since passed away. But Hallway was, uh, he was kind of a storyteller, right? So I, I transferred from Central Missouri and I go in there halfway through the year and I bowled. This is my first tournament with Lindenwood. And he had this rule that low man on the team was going to sit the next game. All right. So, so we're bowling and it's the second game of competition. And I was bowling a lot of my St. Louis friends that I bowled travel league with and stuff was on our team. So I'm throwing this sky bolt with 400 grit sandpaper. This is before Abercrombie pads, right? So I had to take it to 400, just rolled way better. Big old weight hole on the side of it, three and three-eighths leverage. So I'm, I'm leading off, and, and the first nine, I mean, like, I just absolutely just packed them. I mean, they were great. I mean, they're all great shots. So I go up in the 10th frame, and the guy bowling behind me, his name's Todd Pagano, and he knew my game extremely well. So I go up on the very first shot in the 10th, and I really wasn't a guy that got nervous. I really didn't care, but I go up, and my ball hooks at the arrows, like duck hooks at the arrows, and rolls out Brooklyn, Right. So I come back, you know, I'm high-fiving my teammates because that's what you got to do in college bowling. And I, I looked at Todd, right? I go, dude, what I do wrong on that? What'd you see? He goes, man, I didn't see anything wrong. I'm like, I had to be slow or throw it into the lane or something because I always had a little bit of loft. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to clear the mechanism, so to speak. And I'm not even going to worry about this next shot. There I am right there. <laughs> so so I go, uh, yeah, thank you, Matt, for <laughs> Mike's Venmo. That's Mike's Venmo picture now. Back when I had some hair. Uh, so so I go up on the next shot, and I kid you not, I was such a shot maker, and I, I repeated shots so well that the exact same thing happened on the second shot in the in the tent. Uh, duck hooked at the arrows and rolled out for a Brooklyn. Now, meanwhile, nobody really saw my first nine strikes other than people on my pair, and all these people have come down now at this point. 
Ed Smaglick and I were the only two guys to bowl 300 at this event that year. We both got our pins at the same time. There's a great photo somewhere of that. So, so I go up on the, I, I talked to Todd again. I go, dude, what is going on? The lanes did not transition. What is going on? And he goes, well, you're doing something different. So I moved seven and four left. Okay. Seven and four on the last shot. And, uh, I went up and I threw it out to the right. It came back. I was going to leave a 10 pin, but messenger off the wall, slapped it out 300. I moved seven and I moved seven and four. Right. Which is ridiculous. Obviously I, I changed something in the 10th frame. There's no way the lanes changed that much. But Mike Hallway, for years after that, always told in his pro shop the story of me doing this, right? And I had people coming up to me two to three years later as this story became embellished, all right? Flanagan, Hallway told me the story, man. That's a ballsy move. 30 and 15 left on the last shot. Like, seriously, like, this guy loved telling the story. I bet he told it 15, 20 times a week in his pro shop. And so many people have come up to me and talked to me about that story. But, yeah, that was my 300. It's a long story. I didn't. I didn't know I was going to tell it today. But thanks for asking. <laughs> That's great. Is that Josh, the last time you bowled three hundred? You know, I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. I think I have like twelve of them. Wow. What year was that, Mike? Uh, that would have been like around two thousand and one, probably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then I realized I wasn't any good, and I figured oh, if I love bowling, I'm just going to do something else. Try to contribute to it in different ways, other than trying to throw it down the lane. I was always somebody that needed to, uh, to practice all the time. Uh, I couldn't just, just get in there. I'd have to practice daily just to even somewhat repeat shots, but I was decent. I bowled the first junior gold and finished in the top 30. So I don't know. Were there but, back in those days, were there like 38 participants in junior gold? He didn't tell you that. He didn't tell you that, but it was about 550, but, but, right, but, but as Josh told you, you know, I was rubbing elbows with the best because I paid attention to the YABA Top Stars magazine that came out. So I, I those names all over the place. Um, and I ended up, yeah. So, you know, I, I, you know, I was hanging out with Rory Kalonquin at night, Brian Hatcher. Um, those were the best bowlers at the time. Mike Fagan didn't make the cut. He had to go bowl the second chance tournament. He won that, but he didn't make the top hundred. Um, so yeah, I was just hanging out with those guys. So I was also, uh, I was the king of the YABA AOL forums back in the day. I got a little video of you here, Mike, uh, bowling. It's a little impromptu coaching oh. session from, from Josh and Derek here. Let's, let's, uh, let's take a little look here at Mike. Yeah. Josh, were you there this year? Uh, I, I might have been, I don't know. No, not this year. I was not there. I guess not. I just don't have the leche dent. I can tell. Oh, oh, the sky ball rolled out on you. <laughs> this is a Triton Elite. I'm running it out. Yeah, that should have struck. That's the best pair in the bowling center, too. Three-fourths of the best pair in that entire ball center. That on lane one at that place, it, it, the lane is crooked. They actually have a crooked lane. The two panels go opposite directions. Yeah, I'm I'm a little too deep on the lanes, but I think this works better. I think you just need a little bit more rotation there. Get the ten out. There you go. Oh, he liked that one. He gave it the strut. I love it how we have two guests on the show today, and all of a sudden this show just to totally turned into my. <laughs> If it makes you feel any better, that was how every college tournament that Josh and I bowled ended. 
you know what's hysterical about Derek? Derek, when this is 2000, obviously, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Derek liked to hook the entire lane. I mean, he was always one of those slow, hook the entire lane. And back then it was like, you need to learn to go straight. You need to learn to play straight on the fresh. Now we're fast forward 14 years, and uh, everyone does exactly what Derek did 14 years ago. No one's no one plays straight anymore. Had I known this was going to turn out this way, I would have probably went out on tour. Yeah, and you'd have about eight titles by now. Don't worry. Yeah, I wouldn't have had to tweak my game or anything. I know. No. College bowling was set for you, man. Fourth arrow. Clearly. Game one. Game one, fourth arrow. Clearly. <laughs> Derek, what do you what do you do now for, to, to put food on the table? What is it that you do uh, after getting a degree in college? Yeah, so um, in 2010, uh, I hooked up with a, an alumni, uh, a guy that um, went to Newman, bold as well. Um, and I got into aerospace. So I've been in aerospace ever since, about 10 years now, going on 11. Um, and I'm actually a production manager now. and work for the same guy I have for the last 10 years. And uh, I work in Chinook, Kansas. It's a uh, burdening metropolis of about 5,000 people. Uh, <laughs> but I actually live in Wichita, so I commute back and forth uh, every week. I have an apartment here at work so that I just I can stay overnight. But uh, it's been pretty lucrative for me. It's been a, a pretty good learning experience. It's definitely stable. Um, I don't have to worry about bowling for my living like these guys do certainly uh appreciative of that and i can totally respect what josh does but you know i had some bills after college uh pretty substantial bills that i needed to pay back and uh, i knew the only way to do that was going to be to get a job so would i've liked to go on tour yeah probably but you know the one to two year tour life of getting your face beat in by the best is uh it can be demoralizing and that's kind of where i made my my determination just to get into the workforce. You guys are such good buddies. Do you guys bowl nationals together or anything like that? We used to bowl Ozarks together, but not never nationals. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good stories at Ozarks. He uh he bowls nationals with his pops. So I'm not good enough to make it on that team. <laughs> at Ozarks, did you guys ever go across the street to the uh to the midnight rodeo? Did you guys go over to that at that bar over there? Not midnight rodeo. With the mid, with the uh, with the mechanical bull in there, which no, we know our enterprise. Yeah, it was across the street from actually, I think the lamp lighter in. Now I know what he's talking about. Yeah, you want, you want to talk about you know staying in classy places? So I, I started going with the orfs, and the orfs said, "Oh yeah, we we uh, we stay at the lamp lighter. We'll get you a room." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" You know, and then right across the street, midnight rodeo, and you would play real life Frogger trying to cross the road. Yeah, because those those busy streets of Springfield, Missouri, you know, there's a lot of cars there. Yeah, I think this was a four laner though. I think this is like the one road that had four lanes. <laughs> Josh, you ought, you ought to tell that story uh, when we left Wichita and it was icing on the way out. I think I told that story at your wedding, dude. So I grew up in Southern California. There's no snow. No ice, none of that kind of crap, right? This and and mind you, this was my car's fault. It's not mine, Derek. So I, I don't even want to hear it. We made it 14 minutes. It's snowing, icy, everything. We're driving, and uh, turn the defroster on, full blast to get the ice off of my windshield because my whole windshield's icy. And he looks over, and Derek goes, "Dude, you have the air conditioner on. How do you think we're gonna defrost ice with the air conditioner?" I go, "Dude, I pushed the defrost button, and I just came on, so I just left the air conditioning on." 
He's like, we can't get the ice off the windshield when you have air conditioning. I'm like, we don't have this issue in California, man. Yeah, I'm out on the passenger window. I'm rolling it down about halfway, sticking my arm out just to get the ice off of the damn windshield wiper, just so it would clear some of the ice off. Here, here we find out that he's got the air conditioner on. Unbelievable. Now, Josh, you mentioned how good of a bowler Derek used to be. And Derek, you have uh, probably I don't I don't know I want to say it's your biggest claim to fame for you, but one of your biggest moments in your career was your match against Chris Barnes. Um, when back when Barney was challenging. Um, someone at every it was I think it was every tour stop that it had to be an amateur there. though right or could it be anybody it was uh, anybody yeah it was anybody anybody that wanted to bowl an action match against him it was three game series I remember when you when the tour came to Long Island I watched Barney bowl against Anthony Pepe which at that time um, Pepe wasn't that big and Pepe ended up losing in the close match to Barney um, but Derek you you were one of the people that beat Barnes um, in those matches what was that experience like you were down like I think 80-something pins after a couple of games. And yeah. He bowled like 160, splitting every other ball, and you bowled an awesome 250 to end up taking the, taking the W by like 20 or so. What was that that experience like? Yeah, so uh, you know, it was kind of weird because the red, white, and blue tournament was there at North Rock that week, and there had been 50-some 300s because it was all on house patterns. So Billy comes up to me, my coach at the time, and said, hey, uh, I'm putting together a, a group. We're going to back you against Barnes on Saturday. And this has already been after I missed the cut. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, Barnes is challenging anybody up to $5,000 to bowl him in a three-game match. And I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. So come to find out, leading up to that day, Mika, his roommate at the time, was bidding up against Billy and them. So I think the total dollar amount wasn't five. I think it was 3200 but uh, I get there Saturday, we're, we're bowling three games, and I mean, I'm nervous, really nervous. And there, Josh, how many people are there? Like 250 people? And everyone was cheering for Derek because we were in with yeah. It was packed. Yeah. So I bowl first two games, and like you said, I'm trailing 80. He shot 289 game two, and I'm sitting here like, all right, just shoot 230. Let's get out of here. Make it respectable. Okay, hold on well, a second here. So this is a three-game match. And you're down 80 pins? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 70, 79 to be exact, but it was. And yeah. Barnes, Barnes is well known here, though, because of his days at Wichita. So, I mean, everybody's cheering for you, but there's got to be some Barnes fans here, right? Uh, You know, I think maybe a couple of the PBA players were there practicing, but they were probably more mocking him than anything else. Like, yeah, you're gonna take this guy's money. What a jerk, right? You like, you yeah, money Barnes. Okay, so you're yeah. you're down eighty pins in a match against Chris Barnes. Is this on extra frame? It is on extra frame. extra frame. Yeah. Okay, so you've got millions of viewers worldwide watching on extra frame, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay, and now you're setting up the third game, and you're gonna tell us what happens. Okay. Yeah. So I think if I remember it correctly, Barnes starts with a strike, and immediately my eyes look. I'm like, all right, he's just gonna wax me right so i think i started with the first three uh and his second and third frame was split three six ten and he made it uh and then i spared i left a really good 10 pin spared it and then i ran the next three uh and he was like spare split and then he split twice leading up into the seventh frame i can't exactly remember what happened but he got to the 10th frame where i was looking at the score my max was 258 i believe and he needed a mark in the 10th to lock me out. He had to finish first. Um, and he, I think he moved back right because he was lost. I had jumped him. I moved further left than he did. And he was kind of seeing some transition. 
And he went through the face left four, six, seven, I believe, uh, and got two. And I needed the first one in the 10th to lock him out. And I mean, most nervous I've ever been in my life. And I got up there and just labeled it. It was was one of the loudest environments I've ever heard of out of like a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. It was nuts. So I, when I got back, I knew I needed the first one, but I I knew I needed count on the second one. And the second one, I'll be honest, I think I needed like seven or something. I was a little bit more nervous about that one because the first one was, yeah, I didn't really think I was going to get it, but yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. We we shook hands afterwards. I mean, he said some nice words, and we actually have a little bit of banter going back and forth now. When he's when we see each other, and he talks about, oh, "I'm a wasted talent because I didn't go out on tour." And then he relays a lot of messages through Josh at the beginning of Josh's tour days to send me text messages and whatnot. But yeah, it was uh, it was fun. Um, again, I had no idea up until that morning that I was going to be bowling him, and my parents actually flew in that morning. So it was super cool. Wow, that's amazing. Do you do you everybody's bowling ball junkies in the world of bowling? Do you remember what ball you were using that day and do you still have it? Yeah. So that was actually the worldwide release of the Columbia 300 Pure Swing. So I actually drilled one up on the truck for the third day of competition. Barnes was throwing that. I started with a sanded full swing and then I went to the pure swing. Well, at least Barnes at the time, being a Columbia 300 guy, got some notoriety out of this, right? Well, yeah, Columbia 300 was sponsoring that. I think Chad was the uh, was he the marketing director or ball He's director of some brand sort? Manager. Brand manager. The brand manager. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a cool story. I never heard that before. I remember it, um, but you know, I, I didn't realize you were the guy, and that's that's what went down. So, thanks for sharing that story with us. Yeah, no problem. It was really cool. I mean. People give uh, Haugen uh, credit for beating Barnes because he was down by like 50 at the TOC, right? But imagine being down 80 and beating somebody the last game. Yeah, for winner take all. Yeah. How much of your own money was on the line, Derek? Zero. <laughs> and all, those, all the backers. They had, a, they had a consortium of like 10 or 12 people that all put up like 100 bucks and ended up getting enough money and everybody really split it like 500 i think yeah what you get, what you get out of it? i got a night on the town that i probably <laughs> don't remember so they didn't give you any cash i think i got a little, i think i got 800 bucks okay right. which at the time was was plenty for me oh yeah yeah did you so make barn sign thing or anything for you yeah so it's funny you ask about that so my buddy matt who does the out of range podcast with me he, uh, they made a poster, and our ne- uh, team name at the Ozarks was uh, the Gutter Dusters. So they made this big sign, and it was ridiculous. And Barnes was in the paddock putting all his stuff away, and Matt went up to Chad and said, hey, you think it's a bad time to ask Barnes for an autograph? <laughs> and Chad was like, I think it's the best thing you can do right now. Goes up there, asks Barnes for an autograph. He signed it. I don't think he was very happy I about it. it. The sign said, "You got, you just got dusted." <laughs> yeah, we got our dusters. You just got dusted. Yep, and he signed it. Funny story about Matt McFadden. You know, I, I, uh, he's, I think he's a couple of years older than me, um, barely. But uh, in the college bowling days, when he was bowling, I believe he bowled leadoff for Wichita uh, with Tim Penner and um, Mike Eaton and Eric Paul. Yeah. And Nick Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. Nick right. Vaughn's on our on our uh, Ozarks team too. 
Yeah. So when I was born in college, I had glasses and had a, a skinnier, slender build like him. And uh, I got to know him a bit. And a lot of people said our personalities were very similar. So yeah, I agree with that. Matt McFadden and I have this weird, <laughs> weird bond that doesn't get spoken about very often. By far the funniest person in the world I've ever met. Yes. He's the funniest person I've ever met. On the, lane, it. on the lanes, it doesn't matter. Yeah, if you need to sell any more of your books, just go ahead and hire him in as a salesman. He'll sell it for you. <laughs> He's funny. Oh, well, that's great. Well, fellas, thank you guys so much for coming on today, sh shooting it all up with us, chatting all day, um, and just telling some great stories and letting some people know some fun and interesting facts about you guys that probably most people didn't even know about. Um, where can people find you guys? If people are looking to keep up. Uh, I know Derek, obviously you're not on tour like Josh, but um, where can people listen to the out of range podcast? Where can people buy your book, Josh? Where can people do all this stuff to support you guys in whatever it is that you're doing? Go ahead, D. Yeah. So the out of range podcast is actually powered by bold TV, but we're on all the uh, major podcast platforms. You've got uh, um, Apple podcasts, Google play. You can get that on Facebook. We've got links in a Facebook page out there out of range podcast. Um, I'm on Facebook. Feel free to reach out. Um, that's that's probably it for me. You can find me at uh, on Facebook at uh, Josh Blanchard, PBA athlete. On uh, Instagram, JB Bowling, and on uh, Twitter at JB underscore Bowling. Uh, you can go to my website at jbbowling.com for any apparel. Um, otherwise, head to insidebowling.com for the book and uh, some great T-shirts. Cool. And uh, Josh, uh, your when is this this measuring of your hand device going to be? <laughs> uh, as soon as we get a uh, a vaccine for the coronavirus, I heard. Coming okay, up. all right. Are you working on that one too? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I got my lab next door. I'm working on both. <laughs> Building walls, stuccoing things, yeah, hand measuring the coronavirus. What's next? Uh, who knows? Trying to beat you. Were you building the wall before Trump was building the wall, or yeah, no, after, after, but mine got done much quicker. Okay, yeah, I just think I'm just pretty sure anybody can jump over mine. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks, thanks for spending a little bit of time with us. This was a blast. I uh, really enjoyed it, and uh, good luck to both of you guys and all of your endeavors and what you have going on. And when the lanes start to become open again, Josh, good luck on the tour, brother. We're, we're really excited to, to have some success out there, even more than you already have. We'll get you to a million dollars in a couple of years here. And what do you yeah. say? I got a ball some bum named Belmo whenever we get back. I got my match against him. So you're the better JB. Just remember that. You're the better yeah. JB. The OG JB. That's what they always say. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks. All right, Take it easy, guys. All right. Coming on. So there you have it, Matt. Uh, I really didn't know where this show was going to go today, but I, right. I enjoyed that. That was fun. We got a, we went a little uh, flashback Mike Flanagan on it today. We uh, learned some new stories. They didn't tell a story. They told me yesterday there was a story about Josh one day. They didn't want to miss the bus, so he slept out in the parking lot of where the bus was going to be leaving from, and he played online poker all night long to stay up and make sure he didn't miss the bus. So maybe next time we're going to have them on again. Uh, hopefully maybe when we get to episode 80 or 100, we'll have these guys back on and, um, and we'll, we'll learn some more new fun stories. Tonight felt more like like a league night. Like we all just showed up to bowl league and yeah. we were just kind of kicking it between frames. That's what today's show felt like. Yeah. Um, and we got GH Jolly, another good show, fellas. We appreciate all the support from everybody. Make sure you guys, again, go uh, check out our poll on Twitter to let us know who you think 
the first pick in this year's PBA League draft will be. And it's not we're we're not doing any more mock drafts. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Mr. Marshall Holman, our guest from yesterday, adopts your strategy, Mike. If you had to put a percentage, maybe this should have been our poll question for today. If you had to give a percentage chance of Marshall Holman adopting your five lefty strategy, what would you put that percentage chance at? Well, I'll tell you, I thought it was zero. I thought it was zero before yesterday's show, but that number's increased probably by 1,500%. I would put it at 15% that he's going to pick all left-handers. 15%. That's a, that's a, honestly, that's a reasonably large percentage for picking all left-handers. It is, but it's basically what he told us. He said he screwed going up against some of these starts that these other teams have. So you have to do some, you have to do something to have an advantage. And then, you know, Marshall's a showman, right? And he likes he that. Sure is. He sure is. So, man, that would be amazing. I mean, if he picked five left-handers. But here's the problem, though, for me personally, is if it doesn't work out, you know, I'm done in the industry. Done. I mean, start inside cricket or something. (laughs) Inside cricket. It'll be cool. I think it's interesting, you know, when you look at other leagues um, adding expansion teams and how they – sometimes they force – teams to give up good players and say, Hey, you know, like you got to get rid of, you got three great players. You got to get rid of one of them. Um, and that's, you know, and I think that's kind of why uh, the Las Vegas Knights came out um, guns blazing, you know, and they came out and they had a great team because they were getting all these great players from all these different teams. So I think that what Marshall was saying was interesting about how, you know, he is at a disadvantage and the advantage you could pull out here is five lefties. And then we had EJ Tackett coming off the ropes and saying, no, no, yeah, or just five people that are really good friends that just work well together. AKA the house. Yeah. So yeah. that that could be possible as well. But no, I think yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Um interesting. You wanna hey, you wanna bring up our poll question? Let's just since we got a yeah. little extra time here, we'll see we'll see where the poll question's at so far over here on Twitter. Yep, let's pull this up and pull it up right now. You look at our Bowler X poll question. Bowler X poll question of the day. Let's ooh, interesting results so far, Mike. As I pull this up here and zoom in on this poll question to see who people think is going to be the number one. All right, Mike, we've got 40 votes so far, which is pretty good. 40 votes in under an hour. And here are our results. 20% say Francois Lavaux, 10% say Ryan Simonelli, 37.5% say Sean Rash, and 32.5% say other. That's a good poll question, Matt. That thing's all over the board right now. Yeah, and I think uh, I would like to see. Maybe I'll add another tweet here and create a thread after the show is over. And if if people are saying other, I'm really curious to see who they think um, who they're thinking of as far as the other goes. Mike, do you have any names in mind where you think that that pop out? You'd be like, yeah, I think that these people have a chance to be the number one pick. No, I don't. <laughs> Not to be one of those three. Right. I think that one of those three. Who do you think, Mike, is a sleeper pick? Who do you think? Now, not, not, we're not going lefty strategy here. We're just talking overall PBA tour. Who do you think is a sleeper pick that would be a great addition to a team that people probably aren't thinking of? I don't remember if he was in the top 75 in points, but I would go with Zeke Bate. Zeke Bate. I think Zeke Bate is in the top 75. Because he, he performed well in that building and the double show with Dick Allen. Sure did. He sure he pulled great. And he's, and he's just kind of like the silent assassin in the second, in the two hole. You know, I was really impressed with how that how that guy bowled on TV. I was really impressed. And he's an outstanding individual. 
great guy. Performances in front of like large groups of people doing break dancing. I would say yeah. Zeke Bate. I was, I was going to say, and what he would, uh, what he would, um, what he would thrive at even more than just bowling well is if, if with that crowd and he throws a great strike, a huge strike, and all of a sudden he starts dancing in front of the crowd and going crazy. Oh, I yeah. think it would make for a great show. I think it would make for a great show. So just a reminder, everybody, also, as we're just about out of time, we are available over on iTunes, podcasts, Spotify. We're also available on Google Play and where you find all your podcasts. And if you would give us a review, we would greatly appreciate that. I know not everybody has an opportunity for the time that we're live on the show, but we are archived all of our episodes. I've got just about all of them archived now on those platforms. They'll all be archived today. It's on my list to get done. Um, so make sure that you check out uh, wherever you find podcasts. I listened to several podcasts and I was actually listening to our podcast yesterday to make sure the sound quality was good and it's pretty solid. So uh, make sure you check that out. Also, I've been doing some bonus before and after shows on the audio format on those platforms. Not every show, but some of the shows I do a little uh, recap at the end and then a little intro at the beginning. So make sure you check that out. Yeah, and as always, we appreciate everybody's support over on the Inside Bowling Store. If you guys want to head on over again, the InsideBowling.com, use code IBSHOW for 15% off. We greatly appreciate all the support. Go and support the Tangs. Go and support the house. Go and support Packy the Juggler, Brad and Kyle, all of our friends. Uh, support our buddy Sam Villarreal, everybody that we work with. Um, they appreciate it. We appreciate it. And uh, we're just grateful for all the people that we have tuning in every day. Um, and we can't wait to keep growing this thing more and more. We're committed to 40 here, and uh, we yeah. got a little ways to go. And tomorrow, it's uh, Kimberly Pressler will be on the program tomorrow. Uh, yep. We're looking forward to that one. And then That's- we got KR Strike Force on Thursday, and then Danny Wiseman on Friday. And we're working on booking our guests for next week. I am going to reach out to Straub and Vatican and see if they'll come on at the same time. I'd really like to ask both of them some questions because, you know, they were rivals. They built those programs around the same exact time. And they were collegiate powerhouses before collegiate bowling just absolutely exploded. They were the two main programs really close to each other. So it'd be interesting if I can get those guys on at some point in time in our first 40 episodes. But we're running out of time, Matt. Uh, I want to thank you for all your uh, pre-work, as you always do, archiving all the episodes and all your producing work. Yeah, as always, Mike, it's a blast hanging out with you, hanging out with some of the best bowling uh, professionals in the world, some bowling VIPs. As always, thank you, everybody, for your support. Catch you guys tomorrow. Yep, we'll see you, everybody. Have a good day.